for those of you who are here for the first time and you're wondering, okay, what are we doing here? Every morning we engage in the word of God through what we call the read and rant. And what we do is, is we spend 20 to 30 minutes every morning just reading through scripture for the sake of every believer journeying through the entire text. Um, it, it's important to me. It's one of my passions. One of the things that I desire is to see uh, believers, Christians, empowered to read the word for themselves, to see Christians um, journey through the entire Bible. Um, the travesty is that a lot of Christians have said that, well, I haven't really read through the whole Bible, but, you know, I read a verse here and there. And while it's good, it's a start. It's not everything. Um, it's important for us as believers to grow in the grace of God through the foundation of God's word. And so we should all, every believer should have read through the Bible many times over. Like just reading through it. And it's not to say that you understand every element of what you're reading, every nuance of the scripture, every context, and you're able to exegete and expostulate and etymologically decompose every word in the scripture. And, you know, it's not, it's not for all of us to be theologians. He does call some to be teachers. However, we all should read the whole Bible. Every believer should. As a matter of fact, your understanding of what you read, even the verses that you read, should be superimposed on your under on your exposure, maybe not understanding, but on your exposure of the entire Bible. And so for me, I just want to journey with you guys, because for a lot of Christians, the Bible is intimidating. It's intimidating because, again, this, you know, a lot of big words and it sounds convoluted and it just doesn't make sense. And, and, there, and there's a lot of pages. It's a lot of words. And so for many Christians, they'll say, I, I would want to, but it's hard to commit to that because it's a lot. It's just a lot to read. Here's the reality. If you spent half a Netflix episode every morning reading the word of God, like half a Netflix episode, reading the word of God, you can get through a lot of Bible. And this is the proof. For those of you who are regulars here, you know I've been doing this from the beginning. We first started, there was like six or seven of y'all who would just wake up every morning with me to read the word from eight to 8.30. But now, I mean, I can't see right now because it says there's zero viewers, but now we've got over a hundred people who come every morning to just sit down and to read the word. Uh, because we're beginning to see now the powerful activity of engaging in God's word. Um, and so that's all that, that's my priority. My priority is to read, to read through the word and for you to see the power of God that comes out of just simply reading through the word, how transformative it is for you to just simply read through the word. And then on the other side of that, we have the rant where I just spend 20, 30 minutes ranting about what the Lord is speaking. Um, sometimes longer than, than 30 minutes. Ranting about what the Lord is speaking to us that day. I have nothing planned today. And so we're just going to go where the spirit leads. We're going to go where God leads. Um, I have a class to teach at right after this. So I won't be able to stay long. I will have a little bit more liberality tomorrow. Um, and I'd like to maybe even spend some time praying for you guys, assuming that my TikTok doesn't keep tripping on me and I can't see anybody's comments because I can't see anyone's comments. I can see my Facebook live family though. So that's good. I can see my Facebook live people. So, um, I guess it's a season for Facebook live. Um, and if you ever miss a read and rant, 
I got some awesome news for you guys. If you ever miss a read and rant, you can catch it right after on our Facebook group. It's called The Font Everywhere. And so not only can you catch the reading rant there, there's a family there, there's a community there. I love seeing people encouraging each other on there, praying for each other. There are leaders, ministers, pastors on there as well who are encouraging each other. It's really a place and a platform for us to be community and to engage in the word. So I'll put the reading rants on there. I'm actually broadcasting right now from our Facebook family and our Facebook group as well, um, who are, it's a private group. So we haven't even announced it yet. We haven't even launched it yet. And I think now it's been uh, almost three weeks since we've announced it. And I believe we're somewhere close to now 600 people in that group. So I'm, I'm, I, I can only imagine what's going to happen when, um, when we, you know, when we actually publicly announce it. I'm only announcing it on TikTok right now. And it's only word of mouth with people that uh, we connect with physically um, in our community. But it's just been incredible to see. Uh, how the Lord has been really moving through that community and it's going to be exciting. So you guys, as you join the font everywhere, you guys are the first adopters. I know people go on there. They're like, Hey, I'm new here. And that's great. It's good to say it because people, I'd love to see people come and welcome you, um, to join us, to be a part of this family, but even more so fam, like this is, we're all new. Uh, you know, we're all new. This is a fairly new group. So you're one of the early people. If you jump on right now, you're one of the early adopters in this community where we pray for each other. We encourage each other and we engage in the word together. Um, and so, yeah, people are sharing testimonies on there, which is exciting. People are sharing prayer requests on there. Um, there are people sharing what they're struggling with, what they're going through, uh, the challenges that they're facing. I get hundreds and hundreds of prayer requests on my TikTok. And I can't, I can't keep up with them. But the beautiful thing about it is, is we have a family of people who want to intercede for you, who want to pray with you. Um, and so guys, I want to encourage you go on there and, and you'll catch our lives too. So we'll like, we'll have, we, we'll post links to our, our live gatherings where we break out into our Zoom groups and we pray for each other on Sundays. And so it's just exciting. It's just exciting to see, um, what the Lord is doing through that. One last thing before I get to reading. Um, today we're going to be reading First John, so you can go ahead and turn there. First uh, John, we're going to go as the Spirit leads, wherever God is leading, that's where we're going to go. Uh, but I want to say this, uh, I have another announcement to make. And the announcement that I have to make is, is that because you guys have asked, I mean, everybody's asking, hey, I love to catch the reading rant to catch the audio version of the read and rant. How can I catch the audio version of the read and rant? Well, guess what, guys? There is now going to be an also a read and rant podcast. If you're not following me on Instagram, please do. Uh, please follow me on Instagram. My Instagram got uh, it got hacked and uh, they deleted it. My Instagram got hacked and deleted. And so I'm starting over on IG. So um, give me one second, guys. Give me one second. Give me one second here. I'm actually recording the audio for the read and rant, and I just realized I hadn't said it yet. So, um, yeah, so I'm also recording the read and rants. While I don't put them out right away, while I don't put them out right away, I will be posting them every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the podcast. And the podcast link can be found um, on my link tree. 
Um, and so you guys can catch that, subscribe to it. So, um, so all the reading rants that you guys have been, you know, so, so all the reading rants that you guys have been joining with us in, um, since the, uh, hold on one second. Yeah. So all the reading rants that you guys have been joining with us in since the beginning, um, I've been recording the audios and keeping the audios. And so, um, super exciting, man. Cause, uh, we're going to be posting them every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So you'll start seeing some of the old stuff that we did. And I'm just going to start posting them regularly on the podcast as well. So please uh, subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast. Um, super exciting. Super exciting. I'm really, 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 really excited about um, the Read and Rant podcast as well. So with that being said, uh, we want to get into the word. That's what we're here for. So let's do that. Let's get in the word. And um, I know I can't see y'all on TikTok, but I, I feel your presence. I feel your presence. And I just know you're here with me. So um, uh, and I'm sure, my, I'm sure my regulars are here with me as well. Um, so with that being said, um, in faith, believing that we're all to here together. Uh, I know I got people from all around. If you want to shout out where you're located for the people who are um, on the TikTok live so they can see. There are people from all around the world. We got people from Jamaica, people from Namibia, um, Australia, the UK, France, Spain, uh, the Caribbean, from Haiti, from uh, Barbados, from the Bahamas. Uh, we got people from the East Coast of the U.S., not only just in South Florida, but all the way up to New York. And and I got my regulars. I know Sherry's probably on here. I got Sherry on here um, from Maryland. I've got uh, Pastor Scott, Maryland. The Maryland folks are here. We've got people from Ohio who are here. We've got lots of folks in Texas who are here. And I actually moved the Read and Rant to 8 a.m., for my West Coast people, because there are people that were saying, man, getting up super early in the morning to catch up the read and rant has been hard. And so I moved it for you guys because I know I got a lot of West Coast folks, people in Oregon and and in Carolina, uh, not Carolina, California, um, who are here as well. And I've got my people in Denver and, and Nevada. And it's just been really cool to see people from all around the world. I got my people um, also in South Africa and Nigeria and Ghana who are here. Um, and Zimbabwe, it's just awesome. It's just awesome um, that we've got people from all around the world. Germany, I know I got folks from Germany as well who are gathering with us. So with that being said, we've got a whole community here. We've got a whole community here engaging in the word of God. That is incredible that all around the world right now in this moment, we're going to pray and ask to hear from God about what he's saying in this moment. That is crazy. That's incredible. That is nuts. Thank God for the creativity that he's given mankind and the technology that he's given us for us to do something like this. So with that, with that said, we're going to pray. And we're going to read First John today. And as we read First John, I want you to ask three questions. What is God saying revealing? What is God saying or revealing concerning himself? What is God saying or revealing concerning people? And third, what is God saying or revealing concerning me? For you, it's you. Introspection. We won't just exegete the word. We'll allow the word to exegete us and discern us. 
So as we read First John, this is my posture. I pray, and as I'm reading, I'm asking those three questions. And even as I'm reading, I'm submitting to those three questions so that the Lord can reveal to me what he wants me to speak about this morning. So with that being said, let's get to it. Father, we thank you. Ah, that you are Emmanuel, that you are with us, that you never leave us, nor do you forsake us, that you are present, Lord. Even in this congregation, Lord, through online technology, through social media, these things that you've created that would allow us to be connected together, Father. We're being joined, Lord, and the simultaneous endeavor of reading your word. So, Father, I just pray that, Lord, you would speak to us, that you would engage with us as we engage in your word. Lord, convict us where we need conviction. Correct us where we need correction. Encourage us where we need encouragement. Shape us, form us, cut us. Chisel us. Fashion us to your image. And in the end, we can give you glory in all that we do. Open our eyes and our ears, open our spiritual eyes and open our spiritual ears that we may see, that we may hear, that we may understand and perceive. And we say that in your name, we pray. Amen. First John chapter one, let's hear from God. Verse one, speak to us, Lord. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ's son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the whole world. Now, by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. 
He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you because of the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world or the things of the, in the world. If anyone loves the world, the father, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us but you have an anointing from the holy one and you know all things i have not written to you because you do not know the truth but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth who is a liar but he who denies that jesus is the christ he is the antichrist who denies the father and the son whoever denies the son and does whoever denies the son does not have the father either he who acknowledges the son has the father also therefore let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning if what you heard from the beginning abides in you you also will abide in the son and in the father and this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and it's true, and it's not a lie. 
And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him. That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed that we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither him nor known him, has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now that's Cain, who was, the, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. <laughs> By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and love one another 
as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Wow, it's a lot there. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. For God, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. It's one of my favorite chapters. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son as savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God abides in him and he in God. We have known him and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. A perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love we love him because he first loved us you this is like the hit single right here if someone says i love god and hates his brother he is a liar for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen how can he love god whom he has not seen And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Let's just squeeze in the last chapter and be done. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, 
who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know, sorry, by this we know that we love the children of God, if we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. These three agree as one. It's a lot there. That's a Bible study for another day. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he had testified of his son. He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given his son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the son of God. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. <laughs> and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have petitions that we asked of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin and does not, which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves away from idols. Amen. <laughs> Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Um, John is, um, first John is 
one of the most spiritually weighty books in the Bible. Um, and, and, and the reason why is because many of us read first John from an intellectual lens. We don't read it from a spiritual lens. It's because we don't read it from a spiritual lens. We miss a lot of what John is saying. You know, you've read first John, right? When you go, what's going on here? Like if at first glance you read it and you go, okay, okay, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. And you get to the end and you're like, yeah, that was a great book. And you don't go, what is happening right now? Like if that, if that isn't your response, like what is going on right now? Like if that's not your response to John, first John, you're reading it wrong. <laughs> um, first John is heavy. It's heavy. It's a heavy book. If Hebrews is a theologically heavy book, first John is a spiritually heavy book. It's spiritually heavy. Um, arguably the heaviest. You know, there's only one book that I would say arguably is spiritually heavier than John and it's Revelation. And Revelation is, is work. Okay, Revelation is work. But first John, first John is work. If I were to do a Bible study on first John, first John would take a long time to get through. Um, John, 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 the son of Zebedee. Um, so I'll point out a few things because again, we're going to go where the Lord is leading and there's something the Lord is convicting me of as I'm reading this. So I'm going to walk you into it. I'm with the time that we're afforded today. I want you to pay really close attention to this. Okay. I want you to pay really close attention. Um, to this. I want to make one point before I make that point or before I get to that point. Is it just me or does anybody find it peculiar that after all this stuff that John just said, all this discourse from the book of John, for, from first John, that he ends in verse 21, the last, like he closes out, you know, Paul closes out with this you know, these eloquent closings and Peter has these eloquent closings to his letter. John's eloquent closing is this. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Wait, what? He says, little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. And then he moves on. Is there anybody else that finds that particularly interesting? Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. And then he's done. After all of that discourse, after breaking down all this text, this, this book that is so profoundly deep, he closes with, little children, 
Keep yourself from idols. Amen. It almost seems like it doesn't fit. Look at the verse before. And we know that the son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. That's that's heavy. And then he closed with little children. Keep yourself from idols. Amen. You know, it, 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 it almost sounds like a shift like this, like. Or. What if I said to you that he's saying the same thing? <laughs> Again, I can't go through a full Bible study here um, and I don't intend to. Maybe we'll start a, a Bible study. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe I'll schedule a time where we can do Bible study. Who knows? I'll 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 I'll, I'll come back to that. We'll see. To understand this, okay? I'm going to do a little bit of a background study here so you know where I'm going. It almost seems like, well, if he says little children, keep yourself from idols. He just wanted to slide that in there real quick, just for the little children. Or is he speaking about the children, the children of God who are tempted with the idolatry of its time. Idols. Let me talk about idols for a second. People have this presumption that when, <clears throat> when we talk about idols, when people worship idols or these brazen images or these images made of wood or gold or stone and these people are worshiping these idols, they would say, well, these people are ignorant. They're ignorant because they're worshiping a statue. Like who worships a statue? Just the fact that you're asking that question means you don't really understand idol worship. <laughs> if you understood idol worship, then you would understand what John is saying here. And then you'll understand how this points to Christ. And then you'll understand why John begins and the purpose by which John even writes this letter in the first place. The purpose of his letter is actually that last statement. <laughs> the purpose of John's letter is to keep yourself from idols. What do you mean, pastor? I'm trying to find a way to, to do this really quick because I don't have a lot of time. <laughs> um, the the idols that people worshipped, they didn't worship the stone. They weren't worshipping the wood. They weren't worshipping the golden image. They weren't worshipping the brazen image. That's not what they worshipped when they worshipped before it. Or when they made sacrifices to it. They worshipped what they believed embodied it. Which is why once they built the stone, they had to perform, uh, the pagans had to perform a ceremony. And in that ceremony, as they performed the ceremony, they would evoke the spirit to then inhabit that image. They knew the image was not God. 
but they knew the principle, the spiritual principle of conjuring the spirit and having the spirit then embody the image. You see that? And so they would worship the image, but it wasn't the image that they were worshiping. They stood before the image with the awareness or the belief, be it in ignorance, of what the image embodied. So the idols that they worshiped weren't the images, but rather the deities that embodied the images that pointed to the deity. So they had a different understanding of that. And so what Peter is really speaking into, just to give you guys context so you understand what's happening here, because we read it and we, we miss out on a lot of things from this text because we're not understanding, not Peter, sorry, that John was writing to here. John is writing to a people who are falling into the temptation of these type of practices and the cultural thought of the time. The prevailing cultural thought in that time, in the region that 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 John was writing to, and you're going to see that John speaks into this in, in the second and third letter, is he's talking about this new age thinking, this Gnosticism that says that people aren't bad. Spiritually, we're not bad that inherent in the person that they're not bad what's bad is the physicality or the flesh and so what's within them isn't bad but the flesh that they embody is so now there's this bifurcation of flesh and spirit which allows you now to be a good person even though you're doing bad things. Are you catching me? So this Gnostic thinking, this Gnosticism, is actually a thinking that exists in our world today. Our world is governed by Gnosticism. It's governed by the thinking that we're not bad people. There's nothing inherently bad about us. What's bad are the things that happen on the outside of us. You know, the flesh. But us? No, 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 no. We aren't bad. Ah, this is the thinking. As a matter of fact, if you tell somebody today that they are a bad person or that they're inherently bad or that they were born sinful, if you tell somebody that, most people would disagree with you. I've had conversations with people and, you know, people who aren't Christian and even people who are Christian. And I'd ask them, so were you born innocent? Were you born good? <laughs> and they say, yeah, yeah, I was born good. I, I was born good. And then, you know, I, I've made some mistakes, but I'm, I'm a good person. I mean, you've heard that before. You know, I've made some mistakes and I've done some things that, you know, but, but, but I'm a good person. This Gnosticism that now makes you good and makes the things that you do bad. 
I'm a good person that makes mistakes and that does bad things was the prevailing thought in that time that what they inhabited was the problem, not them. Are y'all catching me? So now if what they inhabited was the problem and not them, what happens is that over time that devolves into then why do I need Jesus? If I'm a good person, there's no need for Jesus. And in the end, once I get rid of this body, I'm going to be all right. So I can keep living this way, but let me seek the things and to be prepared for this heaven that I'm going to go to or this better life or this higher level of self. So we never actually die to self. We just seek to actualize the self that we already are because inherently we're good people. So I'm glad you asked that, Jason, because that's actually what John is speaking against. He's speaking against the fact that there's no such thing as an innocent baby. People hate that. The world gets really, really angry. You, you know what the world's prevailing thought is. When you say a statement like, there's no such thing as an innocent baby. Like there's people that are listening right now, they're probably jumping off like, okay, this guy out of control. <laughs> there's no thing as, as, as an innocent baby. That we are inherently sinful. David said, in sin, my mother conceived me. The people that get mad and say, I was born good, but then I became bad. I'm glad you're here. Thank you, Jason. I'm glad you're here. Stick with me. Stick with me. So now it's not something inherently in me that makes me bad. It's my environment that does. You see that? Like now I don't have to blame anybody for the things that I've done. I've just been caught up in some things that I shouldn't have been caught up in. Or I was born in the wrong environment or I was given the wrong genes. Um, I was born in the wrong context. Now it's not me. It's the environment that I'm in. Because I'm actually inherently good. It's just that the conditions of my flesh aren't. And because the conditions of my flesh aren't, I've made some mistakes. I've done some things, but I'm, I'm good. I'm an inherently good person. This Gnosticism that existed then and that, uh, that, 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 that John was speaking into is a Gnosticism that is creeping into our culture now that we now must speak into. And this is why the book of John is so good for, for us today and why it's so applicable to us today. Because the reality is, is that there's nothing good in us. We weren't born inherently good. We were born sinful and sin. My mother conceived me. I was born in iniquity. Okay. You don't have to tra train or teach a baby to make mistakes, to sin, to lie. You don't have to treat your toddler to lie. You don't have to treat your toddler to, to, to go behind your back. They do that real quick. And they do that really, really early. 
okay? All right? They do that really, really early. You don't need to train. The moment that sin has creeped into your child is the moment that your child says no to you. They say no before they say yes. And all I need is a parent who's raised up a child to know. I know from the gate. Mm -mm, you, <laughs> there's some stuff in you. Now, what we define as good and bad, you know, we have our spectrum of, well, my child's not a murderer, just a white liar. It's still sin. There's nothing good. And since one was one greater than the other, inherently, we are all bad. If we can't own that, if we can't own that we are inherently sinful, <laughs> six kids and counting, you, you can say that, right? About each and every one of them, right? From the gate, from the gate, you begin to see things where you go, Mm, I have to correct that. I always wondered about this. Like for parents who think that their children are inherently good, like my children, are, they're inherently good children. Then why do they need to be raised up? Why can't you just let them go and just feed them? Don't teach them anything. Don't train them. Don't, don't, don't correct them at all. Like if your child was inherently good, don't correct them on anything. Okay. Just, just feed them. Okay. Feed them and clothe them because they're, they're already good. And just give them some tips on life. Don't discipline them. Don't, don't correct them on anything because they're inherently good. Every parent knows there are things that I have to discipline you in, that I have to correct you in. I'm going to have to say no. You're going to have to get time out. You're going to, you have to correct your children because they are not inherently good. And the parent knows that if you don't raise them up, they become menace and pest to society. And if somehow they come out all right, it's because there was somebody who came alongside them who helped guide them into the way that they should live. Because on their own, they don't do good. On their own, they don't. And so what he's saying then is, is he saying, and, and that's what Peter, oh, sorry, that's what John is speaking into. I know, I know I can't break down the whole text, but that's what John is speaking into. He's speaking into the fact that there was an overcoming that we needed to encounter, that there was nothing good in us and that the world has nothing good to offer us. The only thing good that we can attain is in Christ. You can follow the rules of the world, follow culture, follow society, follow the idols of the world and the things that their gods embody and yet still walk in darkness. And that's why he says to them, do not love the world or the things of the world. Don't love this thinking. That's what he's really speaking into. He's speaking into this thinking that has been creeping in this this thinking, because see, if I'm inherently good, I have no need of Jesus. If I'm inherently good, 
then I just need Jesus whenever things are going a certain way for me. Or I need Jesus to feel better about myself. Or I need Jesus, we see it's our posture. When, we, when we're inherently good, God becomes someone who helps us be the best me that I can be. God becomes a person that helps me discover myself and actualize myself. God becomes this person that helps um, elevate me to a better me. But when you understand the gospel and that there is nothing good in you, that you're sinful from the womb, that what it does is it postures you. It postures you now to die to yourself and say, the way that I think, the way that I live, what I believe is right, what I believe is wrong, all the stuff that the world has conditioned me to believe is probably not true. Because worldly knowledge and worldly wisdom, we read it in James, is demonic. So I must set my mind on things above. I actually have to die to myself. And so that Gnostic thinking now allows someone to creep into denying Christ. See, we, we don't have enough time to really talk about Jesus and, and we don't have enough time to talk about Jesus, to talk about the work that Jesus did in his coming to this earth. Okay. I, I only got, oh snap. I only have like six minutes. This is crazy. But let me help you. Let me get to my point. And you understand that, that last verse. Let me get to my point. My point is this. Our kingdom is not of this world. I want you to think about that for a second. Our kingdom this is what the Lord is, is convicting me of. Is not of this world. We're seeking a better life here. When God is establishing a new heaven and a new earth. Christ is the reconciler of all things. The new kingdom that he is establishing is going to be a simultaneously rule of the spirit and the flesh, the physical realm and the spiritual realm. And what we have not yet spoken about and what's missing here is for a lot of us, we read this intellectually, but we don't read this spiritually. And we're missing the fact that what John is speaking about is that we're trying to live in a reality. When God is trying, what God is, his work is to establish a new reality. I'm so focused. I'm about to be late for work. Sorry, brother. There, there is the, 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 the spirit and there is the flesh. There is the spirit in the man and there is the flesh. And often we think that heaven is something that is too. Heaven is something that happens later, not a present reality. 
and that we've been called to leave heaven, not realizing that God is establishing a new Eden and that new Eden that he's establishing his kingdom that he's establishing on earth is to bring heaven and earth as one. It is the co-rule of God. And yet only one entity can fully experience that in our present reality. And that was Jesus. Jesus, the image of the invisible God, had the, the, the glory, the power, the divinity was poured out and embodied in him. And so Jesus came in corruptible flesh, who was incorruptible to rise from the grave in incorruption to show us that his plan is for all flesh to be incorruptible, for death to no longer be death, for death to be defeated. Like we say these things, you know, sin is defeated, death is defeated, but do we understand how profound that is? You have to read John from that lens. Because we can be so about this world that we forget what we've been called to. And that's why he says, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you, because you are not of this world. You are not of this world. What compels you to live as Christ lived on this earth when you begin to realize that the world and the kingdom that you embody does not fit within any government? It's not America. The kingdom of God is not America. The kingdom of God is not the European Union. The kingdom of God is not within your president. The kingdom of God, no. The kingdom of God is within you. And this rule will be established on this earth. When Christ sits on the throne, it's not going to be as many of you, um, many people, you know, they posture the kingdom like it's some government that, 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 that we've seen before that's now going to be instituted and established. No, it's not that. Oh my gosh, I just feel like I'm just now getting started. <sighs> we read, like we're very familiar with 1 John 4. 1 John 4 is a highlight. But when you read 1 John 4 from a supernatural spiritual lens, there's some things that you will see that you didn't see before. And it's in seeing it that you begin to realize the profundity of Christ's finished work on the cross. My conviction for you, brothers and sisters, is you are not of this world. You are not of this world. You are in this world, but you're not of this world. And the kingdom of God how it is established is not in who you vote for president. How it's established is not in what policies you vote for. I know that makes people uncomfortable, but how the kingdom of God is established is in how you live. And so little children, keep yourself from idols. Because there are things that you are celebrating, that culture celebrates, that embodies a spirit, 
that embodies a principality that distracts you from your call and your mission on earth. I said this before and I'm closing because I got to go. I said this before, but I think one of the saddest days in America, and let me let me preface by saying this, I'm I'm not I'm not a for or against Trump. I'm not for or against Biden. I don't not a Democrat and I'm not a Republican. I vote though. And I've voted both ways. And I vote only to exercise that right because I believe there's a responsibility as a Christian to go and vote. But I also know that the justice of God is not attained through elections. I know that the justice of God is attained through the work of the church <laughs> in their everyday lives. But one of the saddest things I saw was the when the Capitol building was being attacked. And I saw, you know, I think I posted this 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 TikTok one time, but I saw huge Trump flags, just huge Trump flags, just people holding these huge Trump banners and then to see huge American flags and then right under it to see Jesus 2020 flags. And I began to realize that we have a profound disconnect of what it means to be children of God, moving in the power of God, and now submitting ourselves to the idol of country, to the idol of king. And I'll say the same thing is true even on the other side. Because I see that now somehow we expect Biden now to save our country and to save the nation. And all I'm thinking to myself is Biden falls short of the glory of God as well. Since when? Did we delegate the finished work of Christ on the cross to kings and princes? Since when? And yet Christians are having all these debates and arguments over policy. But we don't do this. Like we're having debates. But we don't even do the things that John is saying, because our kingdom is in our governments. Not realizing that Jesus is establishing his government and his government is established in the way that we live. People are compelled by the gospel anymore because the gospel has become political. People aren't compelled by the gospel anymore because the gospel becomes cultural. 
Ah, but the gospel is anti-culture. It's cross-culture. It's, it's, it's counter-culture. It's counter-government. It's counter-institution. And the moment that we can separate ourselves from that and actually live as Jesus lived, there's some things I, I we, we didn't even get to in this scripture because there's so much depth to it. But the, it says, as he is, so are we in this world. Do you understand what he's saying there? We don't need to go look for Jesus. Jesus is already here. We don't even need to wait for Christ to return. Jesus is here. He's here. How? As we are here, so is he. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't have time to rant. I have so much I want to really unpack from that. But know this. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to reflect on this today. When you read 1 John 5 verse 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Read now the book through that verse. <laughs> read that book now through that verse and realize the profound depth of that verse and why what John was writing was not about simply, hey, let's just love one another. Let's kumbaya with one another. Let's care for one another. As if, no, no, no. John was talking about something much more profound. He was talking about the reconciliation of the spirit and the flesh, the physical realm, the spiritual realm, all things, both spiritual, both visible and invisible, all being unified together in him. Reread it. Um, there was one more thing I was going to say. I can't remember now. Um, uh, I wish I could sit here because there's so much more I wanted to. This is one of the heaviest books that, that you can read. Um, but I, I want to say this. If you ever miss a read and rant, catch the font everywhere. Follow the font everywhere. Um, and also, uh, follow me on IG and check out the link tree in my profile. Link in the bio. Um, the link in the bio will have the link to our Read and Rant podcast, which I'll start in March. But if you've been if you've been watching all the reading rants up to this point, great. You've already but basically the podcast is gonna be a recap of all the things that we've done up to this point. And so um I'm recording now all our reading rants, doing both audio and if you ever catch miss a reading rant, you can catch it at the font everywhere. Um but I I want to close with prayer. Um it's Opus Frere. Thank you for asking that. Opus Frere. My uh my IG was hacked and deleted. It was hacked and deleted, so uh, it's discouraging. But I'm starting a new IG, so I got a new one started, and um, and yeah, we're pressing into that. So um, we live in a strange kingdom, in an invisible kingdom, an invisible world. Be agents of that kingdom. Be ambassadors of that kingdom. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Be ambassadors of that kingdom. Of course, Jesus is here when we are here because we are his ambassadors. We represent him on the earth. 
We weren't good in and in of ourselves, but we've been righteous through him and we're grateful for that. He is the propitiation of our sins, not for ours only, but for the whole world. God bless you guys. I love y'all. Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. Bless us throughout this day. Lord, as we continue to engage in your word, speak to us, speak through us. We may glorify you in all that we do. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I got to run. I will see y'all. I, I wish I could see you guys on TikTok. It's so sad. I'm going to try to like delete the app and and reinstall it. Maybe that'll work. But it's just sad that I can't see anybody on TikTok. I hope there were people on here. I think there were. But it just says zero viewers. So, oh, well. If you missed it, catch it on the reading rant. Love you, Jason. Thanks for coming through. Oh, um, ah, I don't have enough time. I saw you, Patty. Hold on. Pat. No, not was it Patty? Adrian. Um, first John five, you had a question. Hold on. Ah, I don't know if I have the time because I gotta run. First John five. Verse first John five fourteen. And we know that if he hears us, whatever he asks, okay. Um, I'm not sure if I asked. Not that all sin is deadly, for there is a sin that oh, okay. That that is uh that sin cannot be prayed. It seems to allude to a specific sin. Um yes, it does allude to a specific sin, Adrian. Um quick answer to that is it's the blaspheming of uh the Holy Spirit. Um there is no forgiveness for that uh, for that sin. But the only reason why there, there isn't forgiveness for that sin. Now, people say, well, but isn't all sin forgiven? Yes, because it requires, you must accept anyone who accepts the Lord as Savior, who's encountered him and accepts him as Lord and Savior, all sin is forgiven. Okay. There's only one thing that keeps you from the presence of God, and that's the rejection of Christ. If you reject Jesus, notice I said if you reject him, um, that's the unforgivable sin, the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. Opus Frere, yes, make that one word. Um, okay, it's the rejection. Yes, that's right, Jason. It's just rejecting the Holy Spirit. Um, so let's say, so people ask the question, oh man, I don't have time. Um, so people ask the question, well, what if somebody had never gotten the gospel? Um, if somebody had never gotten the gospel of Jesus Christ or never been exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, can you know, they never got a chance to accept Jesus. Um, it's it, That's up to God to decide, okay? That's not on us. We don't get to decide that. Um, that's up to the Lord to decide. The mysteries of God belong to God. Um, it is not the acceptance of the gospel, but it's the rejection of the gospel. And for those of us who have been who have been exposed to the gospel and have received the gospel and the revelation of Jesus Christ, knowing who he is and willingly choose to reject him. Wages of sin is death. <laughs>